Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends, and welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about shuffle building. We're talking about taking one deck, taking some cards, taking some cards from over here, putting them all together, making a game out of it. We're talking to Colin Flores from Plat Hat Games. Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm just kind of making my uh, rounds with the uh, the Plat Hat crew. Jerry Hawthorne's been on, Colby Dowk. Now you're on. I just got to get Isaac Vega. He's the only one we're missing, and he's an amazing designer. And so if you if you see him in the hallway, let him know that uh, I'd love to have him on the show. We can talk about Gundams. We can talk about giant mechs. Any of that, I, run, you know. I run into him from time to time. I'll see if I can mention <laughs> <Yeah>. it to him. <laughs> if you happen uh, to you we know, act- pass each other in the bathroom or anything. Yeah. We were actually discussing the other day that he was like, man, everybody's been on this awesome podcast and I'm the only one. So he's trying to think of which mechanic he wants to come on here and talk about. Yeah, definitely. And we were talking just a minute ago about his process for Starship Samurai. It was just this like crazy thing. And so it'd be great to get him on here and we can kind of talk that out and figure out how that game came to be because it looks amazing. Uh, we were talking about how it's a, it's a very photogenic game. It just looks really good very much so. on Instagram. And so, yeah, it's just a really cool thing. Congratulations to you guys for all your continued success with just putting out what seemed to be amazing games time oh, after thank time. Thank you so much. Yeah, and now you got a cool game coming out and I'm excited to talk to you about this this Guardians game, the superhero shuffle building game. But before we get into all that, who are you? Who is Colin Flores? Tell me your bio, how you got into game design, all that good stuff. Well, I am the communications manager for Plat Hat Games. I've had that position for about two years now. Um, I first came into content. I've, I've been in, enthralled in the hobby for years. Uh, I love board games. I love especially head-to-head competitive games. Uh, you know, your, your, your dueling card games or, you know, miniatures games, stuff like X-Wing or, you know, Age of Sigmar. Uh, I, I love getting my hands on anything like that. Uh, so when Plat Hat came out with Ashes a couple of years ago, Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn, uh, it just hit me and my group like a ton of bricks. And we, we absolutely fell in love with the game and we couldn't get enough of it. And so that led to my friends Christian and Kian and I uh, all starting a podcast together called the main action, which is a bad name for a podcast, but it's it's something in Ashes, so yeah. it we ran the, with it. It fit the context. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense if you played Ashes. Otherwise, it sounds like a very strange name for a show. But uh, we started, you know, turning out some episodes, and we, you know, got involved with the community, and we had a good time doing it. And as luck would have it, uh, Plat Hat Games is actually based here in Dallas as well, where, which is where we all lived. And, you know, Isaac being such an amazing advocate for the community and always wanting to encourage any type of, you know, creative venture like that. Um, right away, he was like, hey, I'd love to do your show. I'd love to come on and talk about the game. You know, b- before we even had like a strong following, we, we had the designer of the game on this rinky dink podcast we were doing. And it was just it was an absolute blast. And, you know, that led to us. Uh, reaching out to him to do other episodes. Uh, we actually uh, used to do a series of episodes where it was just like him talking about the lore and the fiction of Ashes. That was really fun. Uh, that led to him inviting us to conventions and doing demo events. You know, Christian and I have both put in our hours of teaching people how to play Ashes at conventions and cons and, uh, you know, just interacting with Plat Hat as a whole, coming to game night and just, you know, working on prototypes and hanging out with them because it's a great group of people. Uh Fast forward to the tail end of 2016, uh, there was an opening for a communications manager here at Plat Hat, and Isaac thought that I might be a good fit for it. So he put my name up, and I interviewed with Colby, and then I interviewed with F2Z at the time, which was our, our parent company, and they thought that I was a good match. So they put me in the position, and I've been working here ever since and enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, very cool, man. And Plat Hat's one of my absolute favorite companies you were one of my favorite publishers now you're one of my favorite design studios i guess as the kind of the structure has changed some but tell me how you got into actual design like when did that begin and when did it become a thing you wanted to pursue uh i've always been really interested in, in game design i think it comes from you know any anybody who spent their childhood as always playing the dungeon master in D probably has that that feeling to want to create a world for your friends to explore. And I think that translates so much into game design. You want to make puzzles for people. You want to give them that endorphin rush when they figure things out in the right way and they, they end up, you know, solving the, mo- the puzzle and beating the monster. So 
uh, I've always kind of been drawn to game design. Um, the way that things function at Plat Hat is just we have we we're a very small studio, despite you know what some people might think of us. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a max of like eight people at any one time, and most of us are here in Dallas, and it's just it's part of the job that you put your hands on everybody's prototypes, like everybody's played everybody's game, you know. So we have a really gay, great culture in the office of everyone being able to put their input in on anything that we're working on. And that leads to a lot of creative discussion and uh, a lot of people, you know, kind of exploring other designs. So in that sense, I've been helping out with a lot of the designs here at Plat Hat since I came on because we just we're always playing new games, always, you know, trying new expansions and new mechanics. Um I was working on a couple designs in my free time, just kind of at home, uh trying to cut my teeth and uh, trying to explore that aspect of the hobby. And one of those was Guardians, and uh, Colby asked to see it at one point uh, because he was interested in doing a superhero-style game. So I showed it to him, and he it really resonated with him. We put that into playtesting. Uh, we also had like a little change-up in staff that led to me having to run most of the playtesting here at Plat Hat. So uh, between that and just the development work that we all do, it's it's just an open environment where anybody can you know, share ideas. And if you're interested in getting feedback on anything, like it's definitely that type of place where you can bring that game to somebody and they'll, they'll be very positive about it. Yeah, for sure. What an incredible atmosphere to be able to go right down the hall and talk to one of three of the greatest designers on the planet, three guys that have games all over the top, you know, the top 100, top 200 in BGG and just be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, I know my own experience. I can go to my wife or my friend's dog or my kid who's nine years old and be like, Hey, how do you feel about this mechanism? And they just stare at me. Whereas you can go to Isaac Vega or Colby Dowk or Jerry Hawthorne and be like, Hey, excuse me, fine, sir. You gentleman and scholar of, you know, of yourself. What do you think about this? And so like, what an incredible like atmosphere you have found yourself in, man. This is awesome. Man, I'm I'm starstruck still all the time. Like Colby likes to joke that he 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 wanted to have somebody who is kind of a fanboy of Plat Hat in the yeah. position that I'm in, and right. I am still so much that. Like we'll start working on new projects, and I'll be like, "Oh man, this is awesome! I can't wait to get it. It's gonna look so cool!" <laughs> like there are times where I don't catch myself, and I'll be like, "They are working on something," uh, versus like we, we are working on something. Yeah. Uh, but you know, to comment on being able to work with Jerry and Colby and Isaac, like it's, it's a dream come true. And the, I've learned so much from these guys about the, the process of design and just how to function in this industry and how to find the fun on what you're working on. And it's, it's, it's absolutely precious and invaluable. Yeah, that's awesome. And you got some cool stuff coming out yourself. And so I'm excited to talk about that in a minute. You're, you're trying to get on their level, man. And that's all you can do. You, you find people who are that's, better that's, than that's you. Goal. Yeah. Like I remember when I was playing football and we'd be in the weight room and the coach would like assign us to groups to work out, you know, when, you know, people around your size in your position, that kind of thing. And if I ever got put in a group that I was the strongest guy, I was like, no, no coach reassigned me, like put me in a group of linebackers that bench press way more than I do. Cause I'm trying to get stronger. I'm trying to get bigger and better and all that. And so it's the same thing you got to do in, in any other thing in, in, in any kind of creative venture as well. You find people better than you. They've been doing it longer and you, then you try to rise up to their level. And so you've got a really cool opportunity and I'm excited, really excited for for you and what the future holds, man. Well, thank uh, you so much. Yeah. But let's get into the show. Let's talk about shuffle building. Let's get a good working definition. Like what would you say is the shuffle building uh, mechanic? I, I mentioned it before, like the definitions is probably one of my favorite part yeah. of the podcast. Like I think it's such a, a great tool for, you know, up and coming designers to really get a tangible working definition on some of this stuff. So I jotted one down for shuffle building. I believe, my opinion, shuffle building is when you take two or more smaller fixed groups of cards, and I believe that it's important that they have to be fixed groups, uh, and you combine those to make a larger deck that players interact with somehow. Yeah, for sure. So you've got, you know, this faction or this abil- these abilities or whatever, and you're kind of maybe during the game, maybe before the game, maybe there's a meta game kind of thing happening where I take this faction, you take that one, and we're kind of going against each other before the game's even technically started. Exactly. You shuffle them all together, and then let's play. And let's see who who's the best, whether you know uh, it's figuring out like how these factions work together or you're trying to go for these objectives, and we'll talk about some of these games in a second. But like, let's actually let's talk about it now. Uh, Smash Up is probably the most popular, probably the most successful uh, shuffle building style game out there. Let's talk about it for a second. How does it work? Why does it work? Why do people just continue to be drawn to it? I mean, they've put out like hun- maybe a hundred different factions at this point. You can <laughs> shuffle together. It's nuts. So like, let's talk about the hows and whys of that game. I uh, Smash Up was definitely my first introduction to the concept of shuffle building. And I think that the term might actually be rooted in AEG's rulebook for Smash Up. So if we're, we're harsh in their flavor a little bit, I apologize for that. But um, 
Smash Up is, is amazing in concept to me. Like I, I really enjoy what the game does. Uh, well, well, I think we can talk a little bit later on about the feeling that players get from combining different pools yeah. or in different pods. But I think that Smash Up just they they found the fun so quickly and they they absolutely hit the nail on the head with that one because I've seen so many players just get this elation when they're playing that game of like oh cool I have the robot dinosaurs or the zombie pirates or the ninja ghosts like this weird uh, Mad Lib kind of thing that happens when you play Smash Up because you can instantly visualize the faction that you've created through your choices. So you feel like you have a, a lot of say and agency in what you've built. And I think that player that really resonates with players. Yeah, for sure. I love how it gives you a choice that you can feel good about before the game ever really technically begins. You can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to choose, you know, unicorns and pixies and you're going to take zombies and, and ninjas and we're going to see what happens. And, and I can feel like I've already made a choice. that's going to help me win or possibly lose before the game mm-hmm. even has gotten started. Most games really don't have that. You know, a lot of games, they give you a deck and they say, here you go. Or there's a whole lot more to it, like in Ashes or Magic the Gathering, where there's a lot to building a deck. And so you kind exactly. of feel like you have this kind of front end time suck that just kind of takes... And you feel really good about it. Like, these are definitely your choices. But Smash Up's maybe a better, like, happy medium for people that just want to kind of do it casually. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love deck construction. That's that's where I started in the hobby in a lot of ways. Like, I've been playing Magic since I was seven. Like, I, I love the feeling of, like, laying out your entire deck on the floor and spending a weekend and a half just, like, going through. And, like, I have to have this card, but I can't have this card. And just, like, the, you know, that grueling experience of going every single choice and, and agonizing over it. Mm-hmm. But that's not something that I can have at the table every Tuesday night, you know, when we do our game night. Right. Like, not everybody's going to be like, oh, I'll build a deck right now, you know? Yeah. So, like, that, that that's instantly a barrier for entry that Smash Up and, you know, other games, if it's ilk, are able to get over right away while still giving you the experience of, I built this, this is unique to me. Like, even though... You don't think for a second that you're the first person to ever play robot dinosaurs, but when you sit on the table, you're like, you know what? I chose robot dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Robot dinosaurs belongs to Colin in this game. That was my choice, and now I'm going to get rewarded or punished based on it. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's talk about some of the other uh, styles, not just styles, other games that use this mechanism. You're talking about Star Wars uh, before the show, kind of how it brought you in to the hobby in a lot of ways. So, talk more about that one. Yeah, Star Wars: The Living Card Game uh, was the first. Like I. I had played a decent amount of Smash Up at that point, and I really thought it was a fun game. But I think that Star Wars was the first, the first instance where I started getting obsessed with the concept of shuffle building. And uh, anybody who knows me personally, like I've been trying to build a shuffle building game for like at least two years, mm-hmm. and like it be, actually became a running joke with some of my friends. Where I'd be like, "Hey, I have a new idea for a game," and they'd be like, "Okay, well, it's shuffle building, right? Like, it's a, you pick three <laughs> things and add them together." And I was like, "Yeah, pretty much." Uh, Star Wars has a really cool system where. It actually kind of like flirts with both ends of the spectrum of what we were just talking about because I don't think anybody's drafting a Star Wars deck at the table. Mm-hmm. So you are still agonizing over those choices. But in Star Wars, you you pick 10 objective sets. And each objective set is an objective card, which your opponent's going to try and destroy, and then five cards in a, in a pod that you add to your deck. So the, the end result is that you have a 50-card deck and then these 10 objective cards. And so that was the first time where I saw Shuffle Building, which was kind of a lighter concept in Smash Up and its expansions, being marketed towards people who liked head-to-head dueling card games, you know, a living card games, uh, something where it was one one player versus another, and they're just, you know, I've made this deck and I've put a lot of thought into the strategy of it, now I'm going to try and destroy you with it, which was a big moment for me for working on Guardians because, like, that's exactly what I wanted to have. I wanted to have people feel like they were playing a dueling card game even though they had just drafted, you know, two or three decision points. Yeah, for sure. And now I haven't played the Star Wars OCG, so kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but it, what I hear you talking about, you're saying, so I, I get certain cards, but then it gives my opponent an objective to destroy, and that's how you win. You destroy a certain number of objectives, right? Correct. And so that's really cool because not only am I making this decision about, like, what I want in my deck, but I'm also having to think through, is this going to be easy or hard for my opponent to destroy based on maybe the cards that they're putting in their deck? And so it's like these really interesting choices in a game mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's, it's not a three-hour strategy game. But you're still making these really like cool choices that make you feel smart, make you feel clever, uh, or or make you feel really dumb when your opponent beats you in five rounds or something. You know, <laughs> but you can kind of see what happened, right? And from a design perspective too, like I love the idea of working with shuffle building because when you look at these pods for Star Wars, like the objective card might be really strong. But then you have a pod that's filled with like four Ewoks that you can't really do anything <laughs> with, like these little bitty units that are not going to do anything. Yeah. Or you might have an objective set that's like. It's not a great objective, but then it's got, you know, like Luke Skywalker and Yoda and all these powerful Jedi in it. And so there's there's definitely some internal balancing pod by pod and shuffle building that from a design 
perspective, I think is so interesting and so fun to explore. The idea of like each pod needs to stand on its own, but the ways you get to that end result are up to you as a designer. Yeah, for sure. And we can talk a little bit more about this later when we talk about playtesting, but balancing one of these games has got to be extraordinarily difficult. And I like how Star Wars did it where they give you, okay, here's a great card, but it also comes with some really crappy cards. And so it kind of does a little internal balancing of itself because it'd be real easy to accidentally make a make a faction that just is overpowered and just like runs the table on everybody no matter what they do. And so like before we get into that, though, any other games, any other shuffle building games you can think of that maybe offer a different angle or kind of look at it in a different light? Well, so I think that, you know, the term and the uh, the definition, how we're using it, there are definitely games like Epic PvP and Smash Up and, you know, Guardians where the the decision that you're making for the pods that you're going to include in your deck are based on what you're seeing other players doing. Like you you, you mentioned earlier the meta game of constructing a deck in Smash Up like, oh, well, you know, I've got ghosts, but I know that he has dinosaurs and I so maybe I need to get something that's a good counter to that because my guys are really weak and he's got big beefy units. Um, so you see stuff like that in Epic PvP and in Smash Up and um, somewhat in Star Wars because you're trying to play against the meta, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think there are other games, and I think that this definition still applies to a lot of different games where shuffle building isn't used so much as a mechanic to play against other players as it is to vastly alter the the experience of the game as a whole. And my, my favorite example of this is a, a deck builder from... Um, Oh goodness, I'm spacing. I think it's Guild Force Nine, but I'd have to look that up. It's uh, Tyrants of the Underdark. It's yeah. a uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's the uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons deck building mm-hmm. game that has a spatial element. Um, you have area control on the board, and uh, you're moving these units around and spies and little soldiers and the the Drow universe or whatever. Um, one of the cool things about that game is that they uh, the deck building the market that you establish. Uh, it has uh, several other packs that you can add and remove to it. Uh, and that that'll greatly change the strategy that people are trying to pursue because they have they have packs in the game that are way more aggressive, and then they have packs in the game that are a bit more about subterfuge and deception. And, and this is nothing you know terribly new because we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of deck builder games kind of work on the same the same ilk. Like if you play a game of Legendary, like your strategy is going to be completely different based on the heroes that you add to that that market deck. Right. So uh, I, I still think that that's, that's in, in essence shuffle building because the players are making a decision about which pods they want to add to that deck and they're getting like a vastly different experience every time they play the game based on what pods have been added. But it's just a matter of, you know, are you picking a pod based on, you know, this, this meta game, or are you picking a pod based on like, hey, we haven't played Captain America yet, let's add him to the deck, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now let's get into kind of the, the appeal. Like, why do you think these games appeal to so many people? I mean, Star Wars, if you're, a fantasy fight is going to put a, a Star Wars license on a game. They they have to know it's going to do well. Like, they have to know that this game's going to make some money, otherwise that, that license doesn't make sense. And so, what is the appeal of these games, and like, why do you think so many people are drawn to games like Smash Up and, and Star Wars? Well, for the 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 shuffle building games where it's 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 part of the meta game to pick a certain pod, I think the appeal there is kind of what we were talking about with um, Smash Up, which is that you feel like there's this experience you have when you play Ashes or Magic or Game of Thrones or Netrunner, rest in peace, um, <laughs> where you built your deck and you're like, that's my deck. Like that, you know, there are plenty of decks in the world and you might have a list that's the exact same as somebody else's, but you made the decisions to make that deck and now it's time to see how it performs. And, you know, dueling card gamers, they, they love that experience. They love, you know, tweaking it and trying to adjust it. And I think there's something to be said about like, you've built something like, uh, you, you did an episode a while back on the city building with Ted Altsbach and like, he was talking about like building things in games. And I, I totally agree with that. And I think that that deck you made is something that you've constructed. Now, there's the barrier of entry if you have to pick 60 cards or 40 cards or 30 cards, you know, when you're trying to build a game like that. And I think that Smash Up gets over that in a big way and Epic PvP gets over that in a big way and that, you know, it's at the table, it's right then, but you still feel like you, you still have ownership over that that deck. You still have ownership over the decisions you've made. And I think that's that's something that's really rewarding for players. Yeah, for sure. And you can do it in you know two minutes as opposed to two days, right? So exactly. the, the time is, is a big factor as well, where people can just kind of open up the box and go, uh, today I feel like this this faction and that faction, and let's play, right? They don't have to spend a whole bunch of time. And you can do it with families. Like, you know, I've got a, a good friend and his kids, their favorite game is Smash Up, absolute favorite game. Mm-hmm. And so every time it's one of their birthdays or Christmas, they're like, hey, we want more factions. We want more, you know, expansions for Smash Up. And, because, and these kids are, you know, 10 or 12 years old. 
And but they love how easy it is. And hey, let's play. And they want to try all the different combinations of stuff and and just jump right into to playing it at the table. And I think there's a lot of value uh, in that. But let's talk about some of the possibilities, right? We've talked about a couple of different games. I want to talk about your game more in detail in just a minute. But like, mm-hmm. what are some of the other possibilities you see? Because you've been working on this this mechanism for a while. Like, you've had so many ideas and games. I'm sure that you're like, oh man, this would be really cool. Like, what are some of the other possibilities that that you see we we can we haven't explored yet with shuffle building? Well, so I, I, there's a there's an axis that I like to think about when I try and think about shuffle building games uh, of of granularity, and by that I mean like I, I would list low granularity as something like a smash up where you're only list you're only making two decisions. Yeah. You have faction A, faction B. You know, the other end of the spectrum would be Star Wars, where you have to make ten different decisions, and uh, you know, no, not to not to detract from anything that Smashup is doing, but I think that maybe one of the reasons that as gamers explore the hobby, they tend to, you know, grow out of Smashup is that they realize that that low granularity of just two points is not enough to to challenge them every time. Like you start to learn what a combo, like you start to learn what a combination feels like, and you start to learn what factions feel like much quicker when you only have two points to to adjust there. So I think that, you know, as a designer, if you wanted to start exploring the idea of having a shuffle building mechanism in your game, the first thing you'd want to think about is how many decks do I want to combine? Because that's going to influence so much about what you're trying to do with your design. You know, do you, it's going to tell you how many cards you need to have in each of these pods. It's going to tell you how these pods need to be balanced against one another. It's going to tell you if these pods are all interchangeable or if you want to have something more akin to Epic PvP where, you know, you need to have a pod that's from, you know, group A and then you need to have a pod that's from group B. Like, do if you're doing, like, like I've been working on a racing game that kind of has a similar mechanic and, you know, the first the first pod you pick is the, the car you're going to drive in the game and then the second mechanic that you pick is, uh, or the second pod you pick is uh, who your driver is, like what character you're playing. And so you can start grouping different types of cards into these different pods based on how they fit into the mechanics of your game. Yeah, for sure. I think you really need to, to take a step back and go, who is my demographic? Like, what is my customer avatar? Is it really like, you know, big time hobby gamers? Okay, well, you want to give them more decisions. You want to help them have more opportunities, more points, like you're saying, to feel clever, to feel smart, and to you know, have these different mm-hmm. moments of adding these things together. If it's more the family style or more just kind of the casual gamer, have less. You know, I'm working on a, a football game that's a shuffle builder, and we talked before the show how we both love sports games, but they just don't sell. But anyway, <laughs> I do this out of love. This is a passion thing. But it's a shuffle builder where you, you take an offense and you take a defense and you shuffle it together, and that's your team for the game. And so you can have, you know, different styles of play, different, you know, maybe the offense that you want is, is throws the ball deep and the defense you want is like blitz heavy whatever and it's kind of a blood bowl kind of thing with fantasy and there's cheating and different things but originally i had more than just the offense defense it was like okay you had an offense a defense and then you have like an impact player who would come with a few cards that you know maybe they're like special abilities and they're like really cool this this big beefy running back and he gives you extra cards and maybe there's some special team a little special team deck as well and it's like well that's it's just too much let's just do two and i'll just throw the impact players into the offense and into the defense and that's just what you get because my demographic is not heavy you know gamers it's it's casual family style games and so you just have to be aware of who you're trying to make this game for and and then tailor it to kind of the their needs right and i think that's why smash up does really really well with with for the, sure the family market because it just it's exactly what they want in a game i make two choices and let's play and they just kind of go from there any other thoughts on like possibilities or, or directions we could take this uh, well, I think that shuffle building does kind of rear its head in, in deck builder games a lot. Uh, you know, we talked about Tyrants of the Underdark. Uh, one of my favorite games, uh, which we'll talk about in the bonus episode, is Legendary. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the original Legendary. Not that, you know, any of the other versions are bad or anything, but it, it's just the, the superhero fan in me of, like, seeing this combination of I can pick any, you know, four or five, I think it's five, I think I can pick any five heroes I want you know, in the Marvel cinematic universe or whatever and combine them all together. And then like the game that we play is completely different because of it. So I think that's the other thing that, that shuffle building allows uh, designers to explore is that you can vastly alter the, the play style of your game just by swapping out some of these pods. And the cool thing about that as a designer is that you're not reteaching any of the rules. It right. is not a different game that you teach. It's just a different game that the players get to play because they're operating with a completely different set of cards now. I think a really good example of this in a game that I've been really digging my teeth into lately is 51st State. Um, 51st State, uh, the base game, is a lot of fun. Um, I think it's absolutely one of the coolest designs ever, and I mean, there's a reason that you know Pre-Oil Settlers is so popular. Um, but one of the things that I think the two 
different a lot is that in, in Imperial Settlers, you have a deck that just kind of belongs to your faction, whereas in 51st State, the way that you change up the game is that there are separate decks you add to the shared deck. So, you know, that in essence is a shuffle building experience because if you add, you know, the winter deck versus the scavengers deck, you're having a completely different experience in that game. Like your cards are interacting with each other in a completely different way. And I think that's, that's really a, a powerful tool for designers because you, like I said, you can change the experience your group is having by just tweaking this one little knob and you've already got it in the box and they're, they're excited to try it. You know, players are excited to have a different experience when they sit down to the table every time and you can give them that variability without you know bloating the concept and bloating the product right and you can have a rule book that's very to the point that's very short and teach the concepts of the game and how it works and then you can have the cards change the game up right and so people kind of learn on the fly they learn it's almost like how video games do this really well they teach you kind of the core concepts here's you know use this button to shoot use these joysticks to move around use a to jump whatever and then they just kind of throw you into the game and you kind of slowly figure out the more deeper nuanced mechanics well with these kind of games you can do that you can say here's how you play the game now go play and then like as they as people put their decks together they start playing they start seeing how these cards combo together and they you know the cards have different texts and different abilities and they go oh, okay and they kind of learn it as they go which totally. makes the game so much easier to get into uh, i hadn't even thought about that but that's a really that's a really good uh, point why shuffle builders are, are maybe a good way to, to go when you're when you're making uh, games maybe it's a great way to, to increase the value that people perceive in the box as well so yeah. i mean it's just it's i guess it's just a powerful tool yeah, awesome. Hey, well, let's talk about your game a little bit more in detail. Kind of tell me, you know, it's Guardians. Uh, I just announced it. I saw it in the newsletter just a couple of days ago. It looks amazing. This really cool superhero game. Tell me more about it, and then let's kind of get into your design process. Oh, this is this has been my baby for about two years now. Yeah. I'm so excited to have finally have it out in the wild. We just put up the product page and put up the announcement article yesterday. So uh, it's been a, a crazy uh, 48 hours. Um, Guardians is a shuffle building game, like we discussed. Um, I would say the theme is very similar to something like Overwatch or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have this giant roster of heroes that all have these unique and special abilities and this awesome, you know, futuristic equipment and stuff. Um, basically, at the, at the start of the game, you deal out ten hero cards into a center pool, and then each player takes turns drafting one hero that's going to be a part of their team for the game. Uh, so once both players have drafted three heroes each, you take the remaining heroes and you set them aside. And then each hero has a, a six-card deck, or a pod, as we sometimes call them, um, of unique cards at hero. They, they, these cards don't duplicate at all between heroes. So, you know, if you pick a character, you're the only one who's going to have their abilities. So you'll take all three of their decks, and then you also have a basic deck, which is six cards that just every player has. And you'll shuffle all four of those together, and that makes a 24-card draw pile for the game. Uh, and then additionally, each each hero has an ultimate card, which is you set those aside. They don't get shuffled into your deck. Uh, ultimates are kind of like these like super powerful game-changing abilities that you can only use once per game. Uh, and there's a mechanic in the game where basically when you play certain cards, they'll put charge tokens on certain ultimates. And that lets you, that's the currency basically you use to pay for those ultimates. Uh, but you, you, you put your team together. Each hero has a special ability and their unique cards. And then there, there are four locations in play, which are these horizontal uh, tarot cards. And each location has a control token in the center. And then from there, you're basically playing tug-of-war at each location. You get to move the token by having your forces there or by knocking out enemy forces. And you're just trying to you're trying to take down the enemy heroes so you can move those tokens far enough to put it on your side of the board. And that'll let you score that location. And then each location is worth, you know, X number of points. And the first player, nine points wins. Awesome, man. It looks really cool, and the art looks phenomenal. That's what you guys do at Plat Hats, make great games with great art. But let's talk kind of more of the nuance. Tell me about the design, like how you kind of started putting all this stuff together. You know, where did it start versus where did it end up as far as, you know, these different decks? Did you have 50 you were trying to put together, and you're like, oh, no, let's do it down to this? Or did you start with one and kind of move it out from there? Like, give me more uh, details about the actual process. I think the first iteration of the game actually had four heroes, but I've, I've always been hung up on either three or four. That's what I thought the sweet spot was. I thought that, you know, Star Wars went too far for it to be a game you could just play at the table, and I thought that Smash Up hadn't gone far enough. Uh, I wanted to make sure people had that granularity, like I said, of being able to make multiple choices and feel good about them, but I didn't want to overwhelm them. So the first time I played the, uh, the first time I, I built the game and played it all out, um, it was four decks. And there was no basic deck at the time. And it was just, uh, I think it was only five cards per character. So you had a 20-card deck. 
And uh, I, I I really liked the the tug of war mechanic that I was talking about. The uh, basically like there's a track on each of these cards, and you're fighting back and forth for it. That was actually directly, and we've been getting this a lot. But that was actually directly inspired by Overwatch. Mm -hmm. uh, if you played the video game, there's a mechanic where there's basically a car going through the map, and if you stand on that car or if you stand near it, it goes forward for your team. But then if enemies are on it, it doesn't go forward. And I really liked that mechanic a lot, and I wanted to make a card game version of that. So once I had the tug-of-war mechanic, like everything just started pouring out of me really fast. Um, I found out that four heroes was too much because it was just too many people on the board. But I wanted to, I wanted to have each character have a deck that players could easily identify. And by that I mean that each character has a deck that is three of a card, two of a card, and then one of a card. And that, that's a model that every single character in the game has. So no matter who it is, they have 3x, 2x, and 1x of these cards. And there, we actually like put that information on the card at the bottom as well. There's these little pips that'll tell you how many of each copy there are. So that can you know inform your strategy a little bit there. But once I had that template, it was really just a matter of you know kind of fleshing out the characters uh, mechanically and then finding cards that supported whatever their strategy was and interacted in a good way and, you know, it, it, the design process of a shuffle building game is, is so fun to me. And the reason for that is that I've got like some, you know, traumatic memories of playtesting Ashes just because like, like, and not that Ashes is a bad game at all. It's, it's kind of just the opposite. Like Ashes deck building is so open-ended and you can be so creative there that it becomes very difficult to kind of quality control what cards will be combined together mm -hmm. in playtesting like we, we were limited in how or how long we can keep something in playtesting and in ashes like you there's just there's so many combinations that it's so hard to find everything and make sure everything's on curve uh whereas with guardians it was i actually had a really good time playtesting it because you just look at the pod like you can look at the, you, you start to see which combinations work well together but when you when you start focusing in on one pod, you can be like, all right, you know, this guy has a lot of life, but you know, his cards aren't that great. So I think that balances out. Or, you know, and like there's so many levers to tweak. Like maybe we make this card a two of instead of a three of, and you know, that still gives you the same results. And I, I bet that working on Star Wars is probably very similar. Like they, they would test pod by pod, and you know, it, you, there's so many levers inside the group that you can tweak to make sure that each character feels cohesive and works well together. Uh, but but from there, you know, we we. Uh, we just worked on the turn structure a little bit and kind of smoothed that out. But the the meat of the game has always been like finding these interesting combinations of cards and abilities and, and trying to game the system to make it work for you. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's talk more about those combinations. Did you go in, you know, into the design thinking, okay, I want these kind of abilities to play off of each other because I can I can imagine how they'd be super difficult. Like with with Smash Up, the cool thing is most of the decks seem to just work well with the other decks. Like just in general, mm -hmm. like you, there, I don't know that there's any uh, two decks, any two factions you could put together and be like, Nope, this never worked. This, you can't possibly win this. Like they all seem to be somewhat balanced out. And I'm sure that somebody has got a nice little algorithm. And they figured out the reality of it, but like, tell me about the combination, you know, uh, design that you were looking for. Did you have templates? Did you have these ideas? Like, just tell me more about it. Well, that's the that's the tough part about dueling card games. Like you, you got to make the space for people to find those um, combinations, but you can't find it for them. Yeah. You know, and that that's 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 the balancing act of any type of game like this. Um, we definitely, I when I first went in, I actually had this document, you know, where I listed out all the heroes. Originally, like when I first showed Colby the game, I think I had like eighteen heroes, and he was like, "This is really fun, but this is not what the final product's going to be." Like, there's just like these got to be expansions or something because it's just too much, you know. Um, but I had this this list of all the heroes and, you know, I had actually grouped them into different categories of like, I want this to be a support hero. I want this to be a tank. I want this to be DPS, like, you know, really leaning into that whole the, the video game kind of parlance for how these characters would work. And I really wanted that to happen. Um, I think that as we explored it, it became much more obvious that. Again, something that Smash Up has done really well is that those those factions not only stand on their own, but work well with others. Mm -hmm. So that became much more of, you know, a guiding design principle of like, okay, each hero needs to feel cohesive. It needs to feel like their own unique identity, but they need to have abilities that will affect other heroes or will set up strategies uh, or will, you know, put your opponent in a position where they can't use, you know, certain pieces of their board because, you know, you're trying to open up a hole and exploit it. So it was it, there's definitely synergy that you have to find. And like I... You know, after having played so long and after having played the base game so much, like I know some synergistic combos. Um, but the cool thing is that about a game like this, and I think that Smash Up again kind of you know hit the uh, hit the nail on the head with this, is that when you sit down and you look at all the heroes, like 
when I first show this game to somebody, they're not thinking like, oh man, if I do this, this, and this, because they don't know the mechanics yet. They're just like, wow, that guy has a cool gun. That dude has a cool mask. Look at this chick's, you know, mechanical wings or whatever. It's definitely after you've played a little bit more, you start to see how the synergies work together. And that's where a lot of the meat comes in. And, you know, we talked about that metagame before. Like, I love, like, I'm so proud of how this game ended up because when you sit down, like, without fail, when I when I have two players that have played a lot of this game, they start drafting and one of them will grab, a, you know, a certain hero and the other one's like, oh, dang it, that's the one I wanted because I need him to do this. And so, like, there's the counter drafting there. There's the, oh, you grabbed this and I was hoping you wouldn't grab that because I was going to get this. Uh, even with just three points of, you know, selection. So, you know, I, I think that that's probably the the most fun and the most interesting way to see how the cards and the pods interact together is when you start drafting and then your opponent's like, dang it, you just ruined my plans because you took the hero I needed to pull off this combo. Yeah, and it's going to be really cool as the game comes out and you all of a sudden have thousands, hopefully thousands and thousands of people playing the game and finding combos that you never thought of, you know, that you didn't even have an idea about in, in your playtesting. It's going to be really cool to see kind of how those things play out but let's uh, let's talk about playtesting uh, you talked about it a little bit already but tell me your your process just in general kind of how you you know brought these factions in how you tested them to make sure they weren't too overpowered or underpowered make sure they all played nice with each other what was your system well i'm very lucky in that uh all throughout guardians and up to the present i have either been living with roommates or uh with my girlfriend who is also very much into you know head-to-head dueling card games so like i always have somebody on hand that's like yeah let's do it like my lead playtester for Guardians was actually my roommate at the time, and we played hundreds and hundreds of games of this. So my process, and this is just kind of like, for me, design in general, I'm very much the type where I don't like, I mean, like you mentioned before, working with Jerry Hawthorne and Colby Dowd and Isaac Vegas is a little intimidating, mm-hmm. so I never want to bring anything into the office until I'm very confident in it. So uh, my process is that I usually like to probably over-test uh, with personal groups and with friends and your family and significant others as much as I can to try and weed out. Cause like, I, I believe honestly that playtesting in, you know, concentrated groups, like for, you know, store credit or whatever, that should be reserved for the tail end of things when you're trying to get yeah. hard data and just like, okay, obviously this person is winning way too much. So we need to, uh, you know, adjust their cards or whatever. Um, so I, I played this game for probably eight months just with friends and, you know, uh, people that I knew in my gaming group and just I, I, I tweaked everything I could I had a little notebook I, I stored in the box and anytime somebody said anything I'd write it down regardless of whether or not I agreed with it and then I would try and go back afterwards and try and figure out what exactly I, I thought they were at what their actual problem was versus like I don't like this guy's face or whatever you know uh, so from there I um, I iterated 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 um, I was hesitant to change rules until like I got a lot of feedback on them. And then if I did, like I would, you know, try and try the new rule right away and then try and get as many games in with it. Um, the, the end result for guardians, I actually was not prepared to show it to Colby, but he wanted us to start working on a superhero game. And we had a big meeting and he was like, Hey, we're thinking about doing a superhero game. Um, we have a design that somebody else had put up that wasn't really themed for superheroes. And he was like, do you guys think that this would be a good fit if we were themed it? And it was actually our graphic designer, Dave, who was like, uh, well, I don't think that's a good fit. But, you know, Colin's been working on a superhero game. It's really good. And I was like, oh, man, like I was so not ready to show this. <laughs> Surprise. To the dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so Colby's a pretty aloof guy. So he's just like, yeah, just go grab it, whatever. We'll play it over lunch. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like, you no know, pressure. I'm showing my baby <laughs> to one of my all time heroes in gaming. Yeah. So I showed it to him and he, he really liked it. He He's like. I can tell when Kobe likes the game because he starts developing on it right away. Mm. Like he didn't like give a lot of feedback except that he's like, we should do this and this and this and like, and then when expansions we can do this. And I was like, Ooh, excellent. All right. I gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, for actual playtesting, um, the process that we use is that we, um, at this point we've worked with so many different people on so many different games that we have a huge database of playtesters. Uh, and at the end of each game, you know, we'll go through in total the plays that everybody has. And, you know, we, we put a little rating in there. Like, you know, this person was, you know, a no-show or good or excellent or excellent and worked with designer. Um, and then we have, like, a core group that just, like, these – that we don't do enough for. Like, I wish, like, I could do more for these guys because, like, we have this core group that just wants to play everything flat hat because they're just super fans. So it's usually a combination of some of those core super fans and then – you know, for Guardians, we went back and we looked at a lot of people who played Ashes and we were like, hey, you know, this is another dueling card game. Would you be interested in trying it out? And so we build a pool from there and we send out an email and we say, hey, this is the game we're working on. We think you'd be a good fit for it. You know, if you're interested, please let us know. 
uh, they they usually respond pretty quick. We then have a, a forum that you know is is built into the the back half of our website, like a private forum. Uh, and from there, I have to go in and and I'll, I'll create a sub forum for whatever game we're working on, where we have like you know the rules and the files and the, the general outline of expectations. Uh, and then from there, we usually just do like once a week, we'll send out you know updates to everybody. Uh, the biggest tool that we have for this is um, the Google Forms, which I, I've heard a lot of people talk about in playtesting. Uh, it's just a great way to like give somebody a URL. They they like you know which hero won, which hero lost. Uh, there's also like all these uh, cool plugins you can get for Google Forms as well. And one of them that we use is called Awesome Tables, which will take all the data and kind of refine it even more and make it very visually appealing. So I, I work with a lot of our designers on, on playtesting, and that's something that they've, they've gotten a lot of feedback on that says, like, oh, this is really awesome that you can just see everything about the game very clearly, exactly see who's winning, who's losing, how long the game took, everything about it. It's really fun. Yeah, awesome. I want to come go back to a point you you brought up just a minute ago. Talking about balance, this is something I was talking to a guy. I don't know last week or you know sometime this month, and uh, he sent me an email and he was asking me about balance. He's, and he he said he he'd played this game twice and he was really struggling to balance it. And I was like, man, you don't worry about balance until you play that thing like two hundred times. Like yeah, worry about balance one. at the very end. Make a game fun. Make it as fun as you possibly can. And who cares if this tank is you know it needs to drop down in a rating by one or this you know hero needs to go up in a rating by one. Like that does not matter. Make the game fun. Worry about balance at the very, very end. Because I feel like a lot of designers, they get caught up that in the early stages or the middle, and it kind of bogs them down, and they get so concerned about it. It's like, forget balance. Balance is not even a real thing anyway. There's no game that's balanced. Like It's all perceived yeah, I, balance. Like, I don't want to make chess. I want to make Magic the Gathering. You yeah, know? Exactly. Like, I want it to be fun and loud and silly, and like this card sucks. I never want to play against it again, right. but then now it's in my deck the next week. Like That's that's way more interesting and dramatic to me. Uh, yeah. My... Uh, my lead playtester tweeted when we announced the game, and he was like, oh, you know, I'm so happy that I got to work on this. I was a lead playtester, and it was so fun. And I was like, you're going to regret this tweet when everybody sees how broken X card is. And he was like, whoa, don't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah, a great like, point. It, you're right. Balance is an illusion. You know, it's, yeah. it, you, you want fun and drama in a game. Right. You just want the players to think it's balanced, not for it to actually. Because an actually, if the game is actually balanced, it's probably boring. Like you're saying, it's probably mm. not that much fun. You probably don't have these big high highs and low lows. You, you kind of have this kind of even keel middle of the road. And that's not that's not a game that people are going to come back to over and over again. They want those big moments. You know, I was talking to Eric Lang on, on an episode recently, and he said he he makes games for moments. Like he, he has moments in mind when he designs a game. And I, I feel like with mm-hmm. the game you're talking about, like, you know, with Guardians that you've been working on, it's like you have these moments where you play these cards and these combos like come together and like the stars align and all of a sudden you do all this crazy damage or all this crazy stuff happens it's like yes that's what i'm going for and you can't really do that with a balanced game so to speak it's i feel like it's much harder yeah to to hone in on on shuffle building and how that applies a lot the the counter argument i guess would be is that you you certainly don't want a game where the moment hero x comes out everybody's like oh well i have to draft that like i remember in the early days of smash up people would be like oh if you don't draft robots you're gonna lose or whatever Mm -hmm. and like while i totally think that someone's gonna say that somewhere because that's just how gamers are Mm -hmm. like they're gonna be like oh i found the best one and then like this this group thing starts to develop where it's like yeah that's the best one so like i'm interested to see who the fans think are like the best heroes in my game or you know that's always interesting to see like uh you know we're working on crystal clans right now yeah and within the office, like, we totally know who the strongest clan is. Like, it's not even a point of debate. But we're so interested to see people tweet about it and talk about it because they're like, man, Clan X is so much stronger than every other clan. And we're like, oh, interesting. Like, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, dude. <laughs> like, so, yeah, balance balance is a weird thing to walk, especially when you don't have uh, as many choices as something like, you know, uh, an Ashes or a, a Living Card game. Like, when, when you don't have 30 cards in your deck, and you, you like, it, it's harder to... It's harder to build your deck to answer an overpowered card in something like shuffle building because you don't have the option of including those tech cards in there that can just be like the you know the one card answer to so and so you know so it's 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 definitely a, a tougher thing to keep in mind but I think the the flip end of that is that it's easier to balance pods when you're designing than it is to balance individual cards but then if they, you know if something sneaks through it's harder to counteract it. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about expansions. You mentioned that you've already got expansion ideas and all sorts of other heroes that you've been working on for a while. What? Let's talk about the the importance of expansions in these kinds of games, but also like how do you keep those expansions from the, from the power creep that happens to a lot of games? Where, where game, you know, the expansions comes out and it kind of like makes everything that was in the base game uh, like underpowered because you don't want to do that, obviously. So let's let's talk about those things. 
Man, that's a great point. Like the, these games need fresh blood. You need new pods to explore if you're going to keep that that rush of of new content and new like you know that that feeling of discovering new combos and new combinations. Um, that that is a that is a great point. I, I definitely think that you know that, that that's also kind of why you know Smash Up is, is where it is. Right. Like it's it's amazing that you can just add so much content to this style of game, and it's easy to test. I think I think it's very easy to test you know the factions and the pods and the heroes and stuff. So, you know, uh, the uh, the process that we've been going through with Guardians, because we're about, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, we're about two expansions in as far as development goes. We haven't announced anything yet. So, um, we and I've got, you know, a bunch of heroes in my head because this is my baby and I've been working on it nonstop. But I have a whole pantheon of superheroes in my head. <laughs> um, the uh, it, it, It's tough to make sure that the power creep isn't, too overwhelming i think that there's always the desire like you know colby has this philosophy and i think it's a great way to work on games like this which is make everybody broken and then scale back from there you know and i think that other designers have said something similar like you know i i want every character and every ultimate in this game to feel like man like how am i supposed to beat that that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous but then like your team is three more of those dudes you know yeah so uh power creep is tough um it's 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 hard to say right now um the playtesting that we've had, the base heroes have still done very well. And another element that kind of like throws a wrench in evaluating that data is that in Guardians, you only have a hand. So if I have a, a, a you know a collection of twenty heroes, not all twenty heroes are going to be available for the draft. You you randomize and you put out ten of them, and then you draft from that. So it's it's definitely tough to see like if somebody's being overdrafted or if it's just like wow, no base game hero can compare to Hero X. Um, but we're we're using the same the same maxims to gauge all the heroes, and we're using the same formulas to you know determine their attack value and their life, et cetera. And uh, also, you know, uh, a, a huge benefit is that a lot of these heroes were actually developed and designed with the base game and tested against them. And then in the first expansion, it's like, hey, we're taking another pass at these guys because they got cut from the base game, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely tough, but uh, I'm very hopeful, and I do think that is a good point to raise that like. Adding more content to a shuffle building game just amplifies the feeling that players get of finding new and interesting combinations. Yeah. So it's it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, for sure. Well, Colin, awesome, man. Do you have any kind of like closing thoughts, final ideas as far as shuffle building? Um, I think that there is a very strong motivation when you first get into it, and this is not uh, a slight against this. I think it's just, it's a game by game thing. And like, you know, so we were talking about your football game earlier yeah. and I think it's an awesome concept. I'm very excited to hear more about it. Cause like, <laughs> like I said, I love sports games. Yeah. Um, they, uh, when I first started working on this game, uh, or something, you know, similar to it, I was like, okay, you have to have an A deck, a B deck and a C deck, you know? And like, if you choose from the pool of A decks, you choose from the pool of B decks and you choose from the pool of C decks. So like, for example, you'd have to have an offense and a defense deck, um, I think that's a choice that you have to make that really lines up with your game. Like you need to make sure that that feels right because um, you're going to run into issues of trying to balance the two. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a very, it, it, it can sometimes be a hard limit to put on players to be like, you, you need to have one of each because they're going to want, you, you'll, you'll just, you'll inherently have more combinations, you know, if you open it up to, you can have any of these two decks. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. Another thing, and this was like kind of a shock to me, and like this is, uh, I, I get a hard time sometimes because like I've I've worked in the industry with this studio, and I, there are things that as a fan I just did not know about that are considerations about making games, and I think a good example of this is like um, if you look at Fantasy Flight just announced uh, a cooperative game called Heroes of Tyrannoth, which is based on their, um, which is based on Warhammer Adventure Quest card game. Uh, so that Tyranoth art, like everybody on, on BGG has already found out that like a lot of it, or not a lot of it, but a decent amount of it is actually being reused from other games that are in the Tyranoth universe. A weird thing about shuffle building games is that they are very art intensive for very few cards. Yeah, that's a great point. So like Guardians is a great example of like, we really struggled with the art budget for this game because, you know, every six card deck has to have a hero. Well, no, every eight card deck has to have a hero and ultimate and then three unique cards to them. So for every eight cards, you're getting five pieces of art, which is like a terrible ratio in the industry. Like that's not something that's like, that's not a very profitable ratio. So it's <laughs> right. just like that. That's something that's always in my head of like working on a game like this is like uh, deck builders and or not deck builders in, in particular, but shuffle building games can be very very art hungry games. So you know if you're a designer and you're working on that, that I know that's not something that like a lot of people design with that in mind. 
but it is a real concern and like you you you're going to have to find your creative ways to get around it you know no that's a great point and and we've talked a lot on this show with other designers especially with other publishers is you're designing a product you're not necessarily designing if you want to design games that's cool like go design games all day long but if you want to design mm-hmm. something that gets picked up by a publisher and sold or does really well on kickstarter you need to design products and if you're designing a product you got to be aware of the art and like how like if this is an art hungry game and so maybe that looks like having more base cards that you know that you have you know there's five base cards in every deck and they're all the same mm-hmm. you know everybody's yeah. got access to these things and they all have the same artwork and so you're you're saving on art costs that way or just finding creative ways to do things uh, finding ways to reuse art to maybe change the colors around maybe you flip yeah, it around there, there are solutions there for sure it's just uh it's something that when i was first designing the game i had no early idea of and i was just not paying attention to it at all and now and it, it almost to my detriment i'm not sure I'm, really, I'm still waiting to see how that plays out but now i'm so aware of it that it definitely like when i go into projects when i start working on something new i'm like oh, geez, I'd love to have these 30 unique characters, mm-hmm. but, like, can we justify that? Or, you know, on the opposite end, like, you know, Fantasy Flight's a great example of a studio where they are making fresh and exciting and cool games that are pulling from previous assets, yep. and that that allows them to, like, it, it, it might sound like a cop-out, but that allows them to take the funds that would go into that and put it directly into the product and, yep. you know, more content, more cards, more components, and, like, that's cool. And, like, I, as you know, as a consumer, because I'm still very much a consumer of games, like, I love that, and I love, you know, getting a valuable product, and, like, that's something that I just, I think that, you know, especially with shuffle building, and that's why I bring it up, is that it, it can be something that, you know, you don't think of when you're first working on the design, and it shouldn't be the first thing you think of when you're working on a design, but I think that in the later part of the, you know, the design's lifestyle or lifespan, you might want to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Well, Colin, we're about to head over into the bonus round. We're going to talk about superhero games, which I'm excited. You know, Guardians is a pretty cool superhero game. I'm working on a superhero game. But give me the uh, give me the quick, like, one-minute pitch. Tell me about your game, like, when it's coming out, and uh, kind of, you know, do the marketing side of things. Uh, so Guardians is going to be available in Q3 of 2018, but we are going to have a preview sale of it at Gen Con. Um, it's going to be $34.99. Uh, it comes with 10 heroes, a location deck to battle over, all the tokens and basic cards you need. Uh, it can play two or four players, and it plays in about 30 to 45 minutes. It's it's a superhero theme game. It's shuffle building like we've discussed. I think that, honestly, one of the biggest selling points for me and the reason I built this game is because... Uh, I love dueling card games, and this is very much that. This is a head-to-head game where you're taking your team and throwing it to somebody else's, and you're going to see who who built the better team and who led them, you know, more competently. Uh, but one of the cool things about it is that this is not an LCG or an ECG like Ashes or something like that, where you need to both players need to have a full collection. The cool thing is you're drafting from one player's collection, so I'm really hoping that it can give an experience of like. You know, I, I love dueling card games, but, you know, I can't get my friends to buy in with me. You bring this one to the table, you guys, you know, destroy each other's teams, and then you want to play again and make a brand new combination every time you play. So I'm really excited to see how it does. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, hey, good luck with the launch of Guardians, and good luck Thank with you. everything else you got going on right now. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?